The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop dash ball presentation. I am Dan Basbris, and it is Monday. We got a new week getting underway. We got streaming to talk about. It's playoff season now. We've got a weekend to review a reverse chronological lightning round on the docket. We have way too many things to get to. I haven't a clue how long any of this is going to take as I speak this, although you guys can, I'm sure, look at the exact length of the show and know how long it ended up taking. So I want to make sure that we move through things at a pretty good clip, just because there's a lot of stuff I'd rather I'd rather get to the end and realize that I went a little bit too fast than get partway through, realize it's taking two hours, and then say, oh, darn, and have to abandon ship. First and foremost, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from HoopBall. My Twitter pops up. It's like the fourth or fifth thing down. That's a really easy way to stay in touch with me on all fronts. Second, I mentioned it over the weekend. I'll throw it out there again. We are continuing to look for good salespeople in the brand new sales division. I think it's been in existence for about five or six weeks now over here. So really just getting started. I mean, you think about how long things take to get going. So you would not be getting dropped in late in the process. If you have daytime availability and feel confident in your sales ability, hit me up at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Third, shout out to Greg Mraz and Corbin Ford for their brand new podcasts at HoopBall, which is the HoopBall Bulls podcast. Yes, the Chicago Bulls now have coverage here at HoopBall. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopBallBulls. We'll talk to Greg on the podcast here probably within the next one to two weeks, I think. And Corbin, who you've heard from on uh, some of our shows in the past, is hosting a regular NBA show, just a regular NBA show, which seems so simple and straightforward, and yet it's not something that we had here until last week. That show is just called NBA Today. Not DFS Today, we have that too. Not Today in Sports Betting, not Fantasy NBA Today. We love Today here at HoopBall. We got dailies. That one, again, is just NBA Today. You can get those episodes tweeted out to you from at Tweets, our big account at HoopBall. Uh, or you can just go like and subscribe to those podcasts or however that whole process works. Subscribe, rate, and review, whatever. Again, that one's called NBA Today. The other one is called the HoopBall Chicago Bulls podcast. Pretty straightforward. So shout out to those guys for kicking some butt here as they get their shows off the ground. Fourth thing. Reverse chronological lightning round. Let's do this damn thing. Starting with the early game on Sunday morning, Chicago was in Brooklyn. The new-look Brooklyn Nets, ladies and gentlemen. Kenny Atkinson and the Nets parting ways over the weekend, which is crazy late in a season to make a coaching change for a playoff-bound team. They're 29-34, and which, again, not exactly blowing the roof off the building, but that's good enough for the seven seed in the East right now. They're a half game up on the Magic. They're basically locked in, basically. I know that the sky could fall and they could lose 20 games in a row, 
or 19 games in a row. They don't have 20 left, and the Wizards could win 19 games in a row, but neither one of those things is liable to happen. The Nets are six games up on just being in the playoffs, either in the seven or the eight spot. But I think you'll see a little bit of a push here between both the Nets and the Magic to get out of that eight hole and dodge the Milwaukee Bucks, provide Giannis comes back at some point in the not-too-distant future. We'll wait and see on that situation. That's a, a different discussion altogether. But overall, the Eastern playoff picture does appear to be uh, completely settled, but pretty damn close to being settled. The West is not that far off either, but there's a strength of schedule thing going on that out in the West makes a little bit more of a difference. So anyway, Kenny Atkinson is gone. The Nets are, I don't know what they are at this point. They've gone to a much more veteran look, that's for damn sure. DeAndre Jordan got the start, and I don't think that you could make the argument it's because they were going up against an all-world giant big man that Jared Allen might have trouble bumping with. This was against the Chicago Bulls, who started Wendell Carter Jr. at center, who's not a tiny dude, but he's not an aggressive scoring center that you need to match up against on the other side. This was independent of opponent. This was, we want DeAndre Jordan starting games. We signed him to a four-year deal. He's probably annoyed because he's coming off the bench, which, I mean, again, it's kind of an absurd plan altogether, but he and Torian Prince are kind of the only guys in that starting lineup that can rebound at all right now. So if this sticks... DeAndre Jordan becomes a really intriguing fantasy player. He had 11 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks on 4 out of 5 shooting. His free throw shooting hasn't been that bad this year. In fact, by all accounts, you could call it pretty good. He's at 69% for the year. He had basically been a rebounding and field goal percent specialist up until yesterday. I mean, yesterday. If he's going to actually play almost 30 minutes a game he becomes a little bit more than that. He's a specialist, and you probably see a couple of blocks get added onto the picture because in 22 minutes on the year, he's averaging one block. So throw another, you know, 30% on top of that, 1.3. Maybe he ramps it up a tiny bit more than that. Maybe the energy level's better. Maybe you're talking about 1.4. That's a, that's a big change. And I know it's not going to change his season numbers all that much because we are now proceeding down the stretch, but he becomes, to me, a must-own guy if he wasn't already on your fantasy team. So something interesting happened in Brooklyn. That's for damn sure. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, those guys are going to take a lot of shots here down the stretch. It's going to be, at times, good. At times, bad. It's a mixed bag. There's percentages issues for both of those guys. But with the usage as high as it's likely going to be, you have to sort of assume they're going to be able to stay above the fray. The reason Dinwiddie fell beneath that top 100 mark, even when his usage was crazy high, is that he doesn't do much on defense. Both percentages were bad, and he was turning the ball over. So it's like five bad categories. With Levert, who is another guy that has percentages issues, but when the usage is high enough, there are steals involved as well. So that's what puts him a click in front, at least in my estimation, between these two guys who... You know, all season long, I'll admit, I, I was fading these guys, assuming that Kyrie would eventually play some ball games, and he didn't. And that's going to be one that people remember, too. Which, I you sort of have to look at it from both sides. Number one, if you just assume that guys are going to be out for an entire season, you're putting yourself in a real weird spot, because you're going to end up sitting on a lot of bad assets. 
when it actually hits, like this one, yeah, you're going to have a few weeks here of Levert and Dinwiddie putting up good numbers for your fantasy team. But if you sat on, say, Karis Levert for the entire season, you sat on a guy who was posting numbers outside the top 200 for four months. That's a big-time negative. And yes, obviously, it's gotten better. You'll get to cash in a little bit here down the stretch. You'll be probably a top 50 guy if the rest of the way. Assuming things, the usage rates hold the way they have been. So, yeah, it's paying off now. But a lot of times, that thing wouldn't click. If Kyrie was playing right now, he'd have been a top... Levert would have sat outside the top 200 all year. So people are going to remember this one as an example of why you should hold on to a bad asset for four months. But think about how many times it doesn't work. And for me, you guys know the way I like to play this game. It is a bit more conservatively fantasy-wise, I'd rather let somebody else deal with that. I'd rather let everybody else in the league do their strange, you know, whatever it is, five to ten guys over the course of a year that people just sit on for an entire season. And one out of probably eight of them will hit. That's a bad gamble. You need that roster spot. Think about how many guys people miss by sitting on a bad asset the entire season. So this one is one that worked. Make no mistake. This is one where our way of playing the game, my way that I'm hoping many of you guys have glommed onto over the years, this is one where we miss out on a guy going big for a month and a half. We're going to miss out. But I'm not that upset about it. I, I don't go to sleep at night thinking, damn, I wish I had picked up Karis LeVert in November and assumed that he would eventually have all of the usage to himself if Kyrie plays 20 games this year. We all thought Kyrie was going to play 60-something, right? No one thought he was going to go 80 or even 75. We all figured 60-something. But also, nobody had Kyrie pegged for 25 games this year or whatever it's going to finally be. Less than that, maybe. What's the final number on Irving? 20 on the nose? Yeah, got it right the first time. So we will miss out on stuff like this. And you can feel free to combine the way I play with what other people tell you. That's totally fine. But for me, I'm gonna I'm okay with missing out on things like this because we're gonna get we're going to have easy street so many other places. On the Bulls side, Otto Porter got 26 minutes. Uh Laurie Markinet also got 26 minutes. So those two guys are ramping it back up again. They should both be on fantasy teams, no questions asked. The only other question mark on this team is. What happens when Zach Levine comes back? Who's actually going to take the hit here? Because right now, there are two guys in the starting lineup that could conceivably hit the pine when Levine returns. There's Shaq Harrison and Denzel Valentine. Harrison played 36 minutes as the starting small forward. He's actually been really good, fouled out, by the way, in 36 minutes. He's been outstanding in defensive stats. He actually had a big scoring game mixed in there, but that's really more the anomaly. The defensive stats, the assists, the rebounds, that stuff that he has historically had a pretty good marker on when you think of what he could do in a full starter's minutes. If he sticks and they go Harrison next to Levine as the starting wings, Harrison could still be really good. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. Does Denzel Valentine get wiped off the map? Or... Does Levine coming back hurt both guys to a point where neither one has an opportunity to post any value? 
That's where everybody, I think, is is hinging right now. I haven't seen too many places where Harrison's been picked up because it sounds like Levine is due back pretty damn soon. But he could be one of those guys you grab and you just keep him on your bench for, I don't know, two games just to see what they're going to do with him. And if he ends up taking a big 12, 13-minute playing time hit, you cast him back into the ocean. But if he only takes like a nine-minute playing time hit and Levine takes most of his time from Valentine and maybe Thad Young loses a couple more minutes, or maybe Sadoransky loses a couple more minutes. I don't know. Also, bearing in mind, of course, Markinen and Otto Porter are set to ramp up from where they are right now. It does feel like it's going to be a little bit of a squeeze. But if somehow he can squeeze through, because this team's about to be mathematically eliminated, and then you'll probably see them go into a weird resting rotation, then Harrison could be a really interesting roto guy down the stretch. So just keep an eye on that. And be ready to pounce if the situation looks like it's going to stick. Lakers had a big weekend, didn't they? Beat the Clippers after beating the Bucks. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Avery Bradley had a big ball game, but you're not going to adjust anything there. On the Clippers' side right now, it really does look like a two-horse team. Montrez Harrell did enough until he got to the free throw line in this game against L.A. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, that's really it right now. Patrick Beverly's been nullified by Reggie Jackson. Lou Williams has been nullified by team being healthy. They just haven't needed his scoring the way they did before. So they're a a two-player team also, just like the Lakers. New Orleans beat Minnesota, snapped a uh, mini skid for the Pels. And, you know, Wolves are generally a pretty good team for that. Uh, Pels won both of their games over the weekend, I should mention, that they they had already won one prior to the, uh, the victory over Minnesota. They beat the Heat at home had lost a couple games in a row, including one of them to the Timberwolves in New Orleans. That was a bad look. Uh, Drew Holiday decided that he wasn't going to let that happen again. Monster game for Drew, who... It's been a strange year for Holiday. I've heard a ton of Holiday slander, and probably for good reason. He's number 37 on a per-game basis in nine-category leagues. That's not where people wanted him. Free throw percent is eerily low. Field goal percent is low. He's been relatively passive, although he's still averaging almost 20 points a game, so it's not a terrible season, but this is a guy that people were drafting at the end of the first round. Maybe not the greatest idea, given how many pieces they added to that team, but I think folks were hoping that he'd at least be inside the top 25. Nice to get a giant one out of him. Maybe a couple more of those he could thrust himself back into the picture. Lonzo Ball had a ton of turnovers. He's, however, had a really good second half to his season. Uh, finding fault with him right now is not a great idea. He's number 69 overall after a very slow start. Derek Favors, probably a streamable level guy right now, but I, you know, I still like him for my Roto teams. And uh, Zion and Brandon Ingram. So they're, they're generally five guys with this team. They're the starters, and I don't venture beyond that. Folks have tried to convince me that Josh Hart should be on fantasy teams right now, and I just, I'm not into it. For Minnesota, it's a little bit of a weird grab bag. D'Angelo Russell... Made his free throws, but missed his shots. He's going to be somewhat inefficient, although there will be some big popcorn numbers. Cat set to get reevaluated in about two weeks, which surprised me. I thought he'd be evaluated at some point this week. That makes him someone you probably have to drop in your fantasy playoffs if you don't have an injured spot. Talk to your commissioner if there are don't drop lists floating around, but I mean, I don't know how you can sit on him. He might not play for two or three more weeks. 
He might not play in your fantasy playoffs. He might just play the last 10 days of the season. This, of course, means Nas Reed, with all of his foibles, most of them being at the, uh, with his field goal percent, are going to be useful here for a couple of weeks. His defensive stats have ramped up, which is a really good look for him. That was kind of a slow-to-start thing. James Johnson still doing a lot in limited action. I was a little bit afraid of both of those guys because I thought, all right, well, even if they play well for a couple of ball games, the competition's going to get a little bit tougher, and Cat should be back. Well, now you take one of those reasons off the board with the Cat set to be reevaluated in almost two weeks kind of thing, and you start to think, all right, well, you know, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, those guys have been over the cut line already. Maybe you could make an argument for Johnson and Nas Reed too. Or Nas Reed, excuse me. Josh Okoge played well in this one, but I don't much care for his fantasy game on a night-to-night basis. I, 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 I don't know if you're going to see Reed on too many waiver wires, just given the fact that he's played well his last three or four games in a row. Maybe you could even argue five. The field goal percent is super low, and that's pretty dang frustrating. He's not a great foul shooter, but all of those defensive stats and rebounds, you have to at least take a long, hard look at him. And I think you kind of have to assume that he's going to shoot better than the 37% he's been at for the last couple of weeks. Doesn't that have to come up? I would think so. Maybe not. OKC over Boston on the road, barely. Chris Paul, you know he loves to ramp it up in big ball games. What a pick that's been, huh? Yeesh. Chris Paul, number 13 by averages, and he's played in 63 games this year. Just remarkable. I mean, I'd like to... Here's the thing. I'm going to definitely crow about the fact that we nailed that one and just, like, nailed it harder than anyone could have ever nailed it because we on this show we were crowing and crowing about everybody's got to take Chris Paul in the third round. I didn't even I didn't foresee this level of good. I thought you could get him into that first-round territory on a per-game basis, but I didn't think there was any chance he was going to get to 65 games on the year. I thought, well, just, you know, you take a guy who's going to be a, a first-rounder, assume he's going to miss 15 to 20 games... And he's right on the cusp now of getting to where that can't even happen anymore. So keep knocking on wood, keep sacrificing goats, whatever you got to do. Boston side, they got Gordon Hayward back, and he looked good. Kemba Walker up to 31 minutes, and he was decent. Marcus Smart played well. Jason Tatum was okay. He's due for a little bit of a downturn after that crazy run. And while his game wasn't that outstanding, Daniel Tice is still seeing all the center minutes for the most part. 28 is more than enough. So you you know what you're doing with this team. Milwaukee Phoenix, good lord, this was a high-scoring game. 140 points for the Suns who are without Aaron or uh, DeAndre Ayton for a couple of ball games and they've actually kind of kicked it into high gear in an odd twist. Not that odd of a twist, I guess if you remember the way we had talked about this team when they were playing Aaron Baines giant minutes and he was healthy early in the year, that's when they were at their best. There is something, and I, I listen, Milwaukee was sort of kneecapped in this game. They had no Giannis, but they've beaten plenty of teams this year without Giannis. And Chris Middleton had 39. They just, they didn't defend, for one. Ricky Rubio is playing as well as he has at any point all season long lately. Devin Booker got it going. Mikhail Bridges had a double-double. But then the real interesting stuff is all of a sudden they were just like, all right, Aaron Baines, you're going to go from getting DNPs to playing giant center minutes. The expectation is that DeAndre Ayton is going to be back relatively soon, which makes anything that you do with Phoenix a little bit dicey, especially because they don't play until Wednesday this week. 
uh, excuse me, they play tomorrow, and then they play on Saturday. Sorry, Tuesday, Saturday, not Wednesday, Saturday. Just a two-game week. So presumably, even if Aiton misses both of those games, you're going to have a tough time convincing anyone it's time to pick up Baines because not only do they only play twice this week, but they have another three days off before the next game. So they only go three times between the game they played yesterday on the 8th and then the third game in that stretch is on the 18th. So over in between there, they've got two games between the 9th and the 17th. That's crazy. But while you might love Aaron Baines' stuff, even in Roto, that's a tough sell because, I mean, really, who can sit on a guy for that long? And what if you got news before the second game that Aiden was coming back? You sat on Baines for five days and got one game out of him? It's a tough sell. Uh, Dario Saric seems like they're going to let him play regardless, but his fantasy stuff is a little blech. Indiana beat Dallas on the road without Malcolm Brogdon. That was relatively surprising. Luka Doncic had a big ball game, but just... uh... No, Dallas has been a little odd these days. Doesn't matter. In any event, good to see Miles Turner getting it going. He's played well here down the stretch, better than... Uh, earlier in the season. He's still not going to get anywhere near to where folks are drafting him, but uh, he's at 57 now in nine cats, so very slowly inching his way up the board. Demonis Sabonis, always good. TJ Warren, always solid when he's healthy. Uh, and then Victor Oladipo, still trying to get his legs underneath him. He was a little bit better, but you can tell that he's not himself. The low field goal percent, the lack of defensive stats, he's just not there. And then the hope was with Brogdon out, you might see TJ McConnell maybe see some extra time, but it said they've shuffled it to Aaron Holiday, and he's been not fantasy helpful, really outside of like a one-week stretch earlier in the year. With Dallas, my good buddy Maxi Kleba played 34 minutes. It actually took him, I believe, 15 game minutes to take his first shot. This was not a great game for him. He had to deal with Simonis and, or, uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner the entire night. Uh, still, I still like him for threes and blocks. I know everybody has a bad game, and certainly the guys that are ranked near the top 100 are going to have more bad games. Tim Hardaway got warm with Seth Curry out. Dallas could use some of their players back. There's no Seth Curry, no Dorian Finney-Smith. Obviously, Dwight Powell's out for the year. Jalen Brunson's out for a month still, or more, probably out for the season. Uh, they, they just need bodies. And Kristaps got, went cold. That indie front court is tough, man you got to be something special. Miami beat Washington on the road. Jimmy Butler hurt his toe in this game, tried to play through it, and ended up with probably his worst game of the season from a fantasy side. But Miami was able to get through Duncan Robinson. It's seven three-pointers and a big one. If Butler has to miss time, and Jay Crowder, they're hoping, will play in the next ball game, he probably gets a pretty big boost. I would also venture to say that you could stream a Derek Jones Jr. if Butler misses any time, but we don't know. He might not. Meanwhile, on the other side, we saw Shabazz Napier actually get himself involved in the ballgame a little bit. 27 points, 7 assists, 4 steals. I scooped him in one spot. I don't think that this is something that continues, but they do have a pretty dang good playoff schedule starting basically on Friday of this week. Starting on Friday of this week, they go Friday... Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday again. So they will have 10 games between Friday of this week and Saturday 
of what, for most teams, I think the semifinal week. Potentially your finals. I mean, the Wizards are a really interesting team because you could grab someone on that team on Friday of this week, and literally you could call it a stream. You could stream them for 10 games over the span of just a little over two weeks. The 13th through the 28th. So technically that's 16 days. 10 games in 16 days. That's about as good as it gets. They have three back-to-backs over 16 days. Do we think Bradley Beal's going to play in all of those? If not, then Shabazz gets another bump. Ish Smith might be back. He's dealing with a hamstring thing, so he might pop up at some point during that stretch, but it's an interesting streamer guy. We're going to get into that discussion a little bit later on. Rui Hachimura had a truly awful game. Think he'll bounce back, but I haven't really liked him much for 9-cat anyway. Orlando blew out Houston on the road. DJ Augustine picking up some of the Evan Fournier stuff that's lying around. I don't trust DJ as far as I can throw him. He will very soon disappear. He's not going to shoot 7 out of 10 most games. It's going to get spread around a little bit. So, no. Do I pick up DJ Augustine? No, I don't. And with Fournier, you you know, if this is someone you were counting on, he's a drop. He's expected to be out weeks at this point. Houston's in a funk right now, aren't they? Sheesh. What the hell happened to that team? Rockets have lost four in a row. Still 15 games over 500, but they're the sixth seed now. Rock- the Thunder passed them. Thunder are 40 and 24. They've already hit their season win total over by like two weeks ago. That was an easy one. Uh, we'll jump over the Houston side. They'll they'll rebound, I'm sure. But, you know, we're at a point where, basically for me, I don't know that I trust anyone beyond the main three, Covington, Westbrook, and uh, Harden. I know House has been okay, and Jeff Green was better in this one, but, yeah, no thanks. Detroit put up a blistering 84 points against New York in a losing effort. John Henson turned his ankle, which means if he misses time, you might see Thon Maker thrust back into fantasy relevance. He's never going to take a ton of shots. He only took five in 28 minutes of this ballgame, but he'll get you steals and blocks, and if he takes shots, they're probably going to be three-pointers often mixed in with layups, so it's a good efficiency number. I'm not saying you got to go get him far from that, but let's wait and find out. If they're really trimmed back down to one viable center, you often want to use that center. Still no word on uh, Luke Kennard. Brandon Knight sat this one out. So Bruce Brown played 37 minutes. This is a guy coming back from a knee situation and playing 37 in the second half of back-to-back. I hope he survives this thing. But he's a must-start guy right now. Bruce Brown and uh, Christian Wood are really the only two Pistons I would recommend using at the moment. But watch list on Maker. Keep an eye on Brandon Knight. If he does come back in the next one, they need his scoring. Incredible thing to say in 2020. And then maybe we get word on Luke Kennard at some point, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it. The Knicks, Mitchell Robinson, he's cruising here down the stretch. Alfred Payton was uh, better in this ballgame, so that's good. Had a couple of decent ones after a couple of bad ones. Julius Randle, better efficiency for a night. And that's as far as you want to go with that team. Cleveland beat San Antonio in overtime. Chetty Osmond's on one of his heaters. It'll evaporate soon. If you want to ride it, feel free. Andre Drummond came back from his calf situation. He looked a lot more like himself. Right down to the missed tons of free throws, but 28-17 with three blocks. Larry Nance played 43 minutes of this overtime game, a lot of them coming at small forward. So he's locked in. Love that one. 
Kevin Love should be fine. Colin Sexton should be fine. Tristan Thompson uh, left this ball game due to an eye injury, so that obviously opened up some more time for Nance, Drummond, and Love. But it actually seems like they're going to be able to work. They're going to try to play all four of those guys, even when healthy. I think you'll see more Kevin Porter here when he gets rid of that concussion. I don't know what's going on with Darius Garland. Porter's a guy that you want to keep a very close watch on because if he really does come back and seem good, they might try to mount. I mean, Matthew Dellavedova playing 44 minutes is not a sustainable thing. They would play Porter as kind of a point forward type of spot, I would think, uh, if or when he comes back, and that would kick Dellavedova to the bench. If Darius Garland comes back, he might get the start, and that might push Porter back to the bench. So there's a lot that could still happen in that backcourt, but Porter's the guy among them, among the guys that aren't already on teams. You know, Drummond, Nance, Love, Sexton, those guys are already on fantasy teams right now. I'm not into Tristan Thompson. I'm not into Jetty Osman. I'm not into Matthew Dellavedova. I don't know if I needed to really say that one. Uh, Porter's the one of those guys that's hurt right now where you where you want to be aware of his potential return. Meanwhile, San Antonio's fallen out of the playoff race, and that's not a great sign because LaMarcus Aldridge, with all these missed games, that might have been the blow. You're not going to drop him unless you have no IL spot in your playoff start today, in which case you might not have a choice because these shoulder things, as we've seen, they linger. Rashawn Holmes missed a month and a half. Let's hope that's not the case here. Maybe we get some kind of news. But the Spurs are running out of time. And if indeed Aldridge is going to miss more time, Trey Lyles has played 41 minutes again. DeJounte Murray's been good. Uh, Derek White's been better with Aldridge out. It's opened up some more time for him. Uh, Rudy Gay's been better with Aldridge out. There's just, you know, there's just more stuff for guys to do. Murray, DeRozan, Lyles, and probably White. Derek White's a probably. But the other guys, it's really about minutes played. You know, Murray can do more than enough in 24 to 30 minutes. DeRozan's going to get his full complement. And then Lyles, whose fantasy game is not that great, but when you play 36 to 40 minutes, you almost don't have a choice but to do something. And finally, Toronto still riding heavy on those starters, but Marc Gasol came back and played 16 minutes in his return. Eventually, that's going to bump Serge Ibaka off the starting center spot. We saw that he, when, when Ibaka's coming off the bench, he tries to go hard for limited minutes, but that could actually knock him out of fantasy value. You're not going to make a preemptive move here, but just something to watch. Lowry was very good. Siakam was solid. Norman Powell's been rolling with Freddie Van Vliet out. His numbers will take a big hit when uh, FVV returns, but he's still going to be beyond useful. You know, we're just, it's not going to be like top 20, which is what he's doing now. It'll be more like top 60, top 70. And for the Kings, this was a spread the wealth around kind of game. De'Aaron Fox had 28, but then there was just a bunch of dudes that had some other stuff. Nemanja Bielitsa managing to maintain fantasy value. The voodoo doll continues to be strong. Rashawn Holmes made his return over the weekend and played limited minutes in the back-to-back. Good to have him back. Get him into your lineup. He's ready to roll. We know he only really needs 20 minutes to be fantasy relevant, so anything over that is good. Uh, Buddy Heald is in a funk. There was a lot of chatter on King's Twitter yesterday about how he was on the bench with the team needing a three-pointer on the last possession of the game. He was not in there. Bielitsa airballed a three, and uh, people were displeased. Alex Len, by the way, 15-7 in two blocks in 15 minutes. Yeah, don't uh, let, let's not get 
let's not get silly here. Turning the clock back to Saturday, we already talked about Houston. They've been bad. Uh, for for Charlotte, they like those slow ball games, don't they? But they shot the hell out of the ball on this one. Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier, all shot over 50%. They're going to win some games when those guys do that. I still don't like any of them. I mean, it's fine. Terry Rozier is a fine fantasy asset. He's, he's fine. Devontae Graham, you're probably going to use him, even though he's been tanking you in field goal percent. P.J. Washington, he's all over the map. Miles Bridges has turned back into a pumpkin. And then right now, Cody Zeller is getting all those center minutes. So he's probably usable in the moment, but we might see them flip back to Bismack Biombo. So just you know, keep that in the back of your mind as well. Utah beat Detroit on the road. Mike Conley uh, was fine. That's really the only thing you're watching in Utah is what he does and then what it does to Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is not. I mean, he's he's probably stream-worthy, which we're going to get to this here soon. I got to do it real soon uh but as a start every day kind of guy i'm I, I wash my hands of it denver they lost in cleveland too gary harris was good he had five steals but he's not gonna shoot seven out of eight every ball game i'm considering just dropping both Millsap and jeremy grant as they fall into this goofball timeshare I might give Paul Millsap another couple of games just to see what happens. I mean, this was a bad one for a lot of guys. Nikola Jokic was drunk for this one. 8-8-8. Eight, eight, and eight. Probably dump this one. But just talking about leashes here. How long of a leash do we give guys? We're at a point in the season where you need someone that's producing in this moment. And so, you know, for Grant, yeah, the four steals that floated his line, but the minutes have not been consistent since Millsap's been back. And for Millsap, the production hasn't been consistent since Millsap's been back. Atlanta's banged up. Cam Reddish left the ballgame with uh, limb cramps, lower limb cramping. he just gotten back from a back injury, which is a shame because it seems like he was a guy that was starting to ramp up a little bit. Uh, Dwayne Dedman returned for Atlanta late last week. He had 6-10 and 10 with a steal. Terrible shooting game, although I'm totally fine with using him in the short term. And, you know, he might have value for another week or two, uh, maybe the rest of the season if Capella doesn't come back. DeAndre Hunter, Hunter hurt his knee. We don't know if he might miss any time. Trey Young tried to play through the flu and was bad. This one just had loss written all over it. And so when all of that's going on, Kevin Herter is going to be the big beneficiary. He had 11-5 and six assists. You love it when those assists pop up. A couple of steals, three three-pointers. He's going to be great when Reddish and or Hunter are out. It's pretty simple at this point. For Memphis, they've bounced back nicely. JV was very good. Anthony Melton's starting to look a little bit better here the last couple of ball games. We'll see if that can stick. Uh, we heard that Justice Winslow was assigned to the G League affiliate for the Grizzlies, so that might creep in. And the only downside to all of this is that Gorgie Jang looks like he's not going to get his 24 minutes a game. I thought for sure he'd be able to fall his way into it uh, I think you can move on, especially with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark both expected to return here pretty soon. So you can go ahead and move along. I know Gorgie might have a good ball game early this week, and we might feel bad about punting on it, but his his timeline is super short, and so yeah, you might as well just look for somebody with a little bit more upside right now, someone that might stream a little bit longer, for instance. If, now, again, if you're in a streaming situation, you don't just use a move to drop a guy. We'll get to the streaming calendar here in a minute. Uh, D'Anthony Melton probably belongs back on teams all of a sudden. I mean, 30 minutes is a big deal. 
That's a lot of time for him. The return of some of these power forwards, I don't. does it have a trickle-down effect? If Justice Winslow gets going, does that have a trickle-down effect? The answer is probably yes on the Winslow front. But for the moment, Melton looks like he's settling in a little bit. Philly, they're still without almost all their guys. Richardson and Bead are not far away, supposedly. You still, to me, you're trusting Shake, Tobias, and Al Horford until anybody comes back. On the Warriors' side, Steph was out with a flu after making his return. Draymond is still dealing with the knee injury. And so this was back to sort of the zombie Warriors for a game. Marquise Chris has been great. He almost triple-doubled in this game. Dude's balling. Eric Pascal is going to be pretty good, at least from a scoring standpoint, when everybody else is hurt. Damian Lee's been able to hang on. Michael Mulder, his 10-day contract is almost expired, but he played relatively well. And uh, Andrew Wiggins was sort of like hanging off to the side and thinking, I wonder what these guys can do. I still don't want to dive too deep into this team. I'm Marquise Chris. You know we're hard on Marquise Chris here. We've added him everywhere. And Andrew Wiggins is going to be worth using most of the time with all of his warts. But I don't I don't know that I dive too much farther than that. Especially if Steph and Dre actually play again in the next couple of ballgames. Sacramento, we talked about. Portland's in trouble, man. Dame's got to get healthy, and it seems like he might not be totally healthy. They might also get Yusuf Nurkic back here, but he's not going to be himself, so you're not stashing him anyway. And we turn the clock back to Friday to make sure we didn't miss any teams during our this swath we've cut across the NBA. I think we knocked them all out on Saturday, Sunday. I believe every team played either Saturday or Sunday this week. And if I miss one, you guys can correct me, but I, I feel pretty confident that that was all 30 teams and let's quickly knock out what's happening tonight monday night before we get into the streaming schedule charlotte is at atlanta for atlanta you're really just paying attention to the injury stuff at this point is trey young healthy is hunter reddish can those guys play if not uh herder should have himself a pretty big ball game i don't know that you venture much farther than that i think i would use Dwayne deadman and if we get any word on which center is actually going to start for charlotte that might be a guy you could stream as well Milwaukee at Denver is a tough one for the Bucks off the uh, the loss in Phoenix yesterday. They do get a little bit more recovery time since the Sunday game was a day game or late afternoon, early evening game and not a super late night game. But traveling into altitude is never easy on a back-to-back. This should be a weird one. We'll keep a watch on Denver, see if they can get their starters all kind of rolling in the same direction. They haven't been playing very well either. Nuggets 5-5 in their last 10. They're now in third place. Clippers, and uh, I think the Clippers really do want that two seed. I think they want to avoid the Lakers as long as possible. And and likewise, by the way, on the Lakers side, I think they'd prefer to avoid the Clippers as long as possible. And for the Clips, I think they'd love to get home court advantage. They're 25-7 at home, 18-13 on the road. That could be a big deal if they're playing the Nuggets in the second round are also much better at home than the road. So I think there's a little bit of something to fight for here. I don't think you see these these top Western teams resting guys, except maybe the Lakers, since they're so far out in front of everybody else. Toronto at Utah. This one screams bet the Jazz for me, by the way. Utah's sort of quietly playing better. They've won five games in a row. They haven't been decisive, and generally they've been... Kind of wimpy competition with the exception of beating the Celtics, who were pretty banged up 
when they played them three days ago. And it was a revenge game. Celtics had just beaten the Jazz in Utah. Uh, Jazz beat the Wizards, the Cavs, the Knicks, the Celtics, and then the Pistons. So this is sort of like a fluffy five-game winning streak that isn't truly built on merit. But at the same time, Toronto went heavy on the starters' minutes yesterday in their win on the road in Sacramento. This game has mail it in written all over it for a team that, frankly, Toronto is... Not completely locked into that two spot. The Celtics are trying to chase them down, but you, th- you I mean, you could kind of throw a game at this point and still be in pretty good shape. From a fantasy standpoint, I really just want to know how many minutes Marcus Soule's playing, if he's even playing on the back-to-back. And is Freddie Van Vliet getting closer? Otherwise, I think everything is fairly well settled into place on those clubs. Okay, that, by the way, was me going fast on all that stuff. Let's talk streaming calendar for a minute here because we did that on Friday's show to try to get you situated to start this week, and now let's pick up where we left off. For those that listened to the Friday show, and I'm hoping that was most of you, we got into the fact that there were just a couple of teams, Toronto, what the hell was the other one? The Bucks, the Bucks, and the Raptors that had games on Sunday and Monday. For people that were streaming last week, rolling into this week... You guys are probably sitting on those players. And so what I would say on that front is, don't make moves right now. It's Monday. Hopefully, if you were streaming last week and this week, you picked up some Raptors and or Bucks. You know, we talked about Ilya Sova, who sort of soiled himself. Dante DiVincenzo, guys on Milwaukee that were going to get a little opportunity. With Giannis potentially missing time. So there were a couple of guys that could potentially be streamed. I think Georgia Hill was... Uh, he was out, but did he... I gotta go back and check to see if he actually even played on Sunday. Good work, Dan. Probably should have looked at that beforehand. Yeah, he did, but he wasn't very good. Still, these are the names that you're looking at with Giannis out as guys that could just do a little bit more. Marvin Williams, as it turned out, played a little bit more. DiVincenzo was the other guy. Sova started, but only played 15 minutes and had seven rebounds. So it didn't work out that great in terms of what you got yesterday, If unless you were on DiVincenzo. If you had those guys, even though there was some ugliness to it, you have to sit on them again today because you made that move for two days. And if it was DiVincenzo, you're in great shape. So that one that one obviously panned out. But you're not dumping those guys. Let's say that you did pick up George Hill. Let's say that was the buck that you were streaming. You're not dumping him because you can't use up a move unless you're gaining a game. And in this instance, that dude is playing today. So the only way you're dropping that guy is to pick up someone that has four games. But in actuality, you could use that move tomorrow. We talked about this on yesterday, or on, uh, sorry, not yesterday, but Friday's show. There are teams, there are a handful of teams, I think three, maybe four, we talked about on Friday, that play four times Tuesday through Sunday. This is why you don't make moves unless you absolutely, positively must. If you have that guy, again, let's say it's George Hill, so it didn't really pan out on on Sunday's card. You sit on him. You let him play again today. And then drop him tomorrow. And whoever else you had on those teams that you were streaming guys on, Bucks only have two more games after today. Toronto only has one more game after today, so you're absolutely moving on from any Raptors on your team. And I'm talking about possibly any Raptors on your team. Like, you could make a pretty good case in streaming situations 
that, you know, after Surge or Ananobi, I mean, you probably can't drop Lowry or Pascal. I get it. Those guys would be too important to your team if you do advance to the next round. But, like, even Norman Powell, let's say Freddie Van Vliet's back by the 14th. That's their next ball game is on Saturday. You could literally drop a Raptor. Think of it this direction. Unless you feel like your playoff matchup is lopsided and you can just steam train your opposition, you could make an argument to drop Norman Powell on Tuesday, tomorrow, and pick up someone on the Nets, the Celtics, or the Bulls, teams that have four games Tuesday through Sunday, and you would, if you had a Raptor again, gain three games with one roster move. There's almost no way that Norman Powell does enough in one game to counterbalance what you could get out of a Chicago Bull or a Celtic or a Net in four games. I mean, you could throw Garrett freaking Temple out there for four games and he'd do more than Norman Powell in one game. This is why streaming is so important and it's why you have to look far ahead as you do it. So that's easy. To me, we set ourselves up pretty easily. If you were folks that were streaming last week into this week, you have those two teams that we were talking about. You let those guys play tonight, and then you move on from them first thing tomorrow morning to a net, a Celtic, or a Bull. If you didn't do that, as we talked about on Friday, you're probably looking at either teams that had four games. I think we talked about the Jazz have four games at the beginning of this week. They go four games today through Saturday. And they are, if memory serves, from what we talked about on Friday, and I can triple-check as we're talking about it here, I believe they're the only team in the NBA that goes four times Monday through Saturday. So that was a team we were looking at picking up some of their fringe guys. If you weren't streaming last week, so if you have Jazz on your team, if you picked up Clarkson or Ingles, and those are the guys you were streaming to start this week, Hopefully, you should have your full complement of moves. Hopefully, you made those moves last week when we were talking about it on the Friday show, which, by the way, still would have been a good move because they had a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. So you would have gotten two games out of them yesterday or last week, even if you needed that. But it was really all about starting this playoff week, if you're in them right now, with a team that goes four times. So then you ride those guys all the way through Saturday of this week, and you can save moves till Sunday. You can look to see what categories are really tight Washington, Sacramento, Portland, Orlando, Oklahoma City, the Lakers, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Nets, all of those teams, the Hornets, all of those teams play on Sunday. So if you really are sitting on some Utah Jazz until super late in the week, and you could, by the way, we'll talk about this when we get closer to it, like Chicago, their back-to-back is actually Saturday, Sunday this weekend. Tougher competition, by the way. The Jazz are Pelicans, Grizzlies. That's area to run up some score. But the point is, if you wanted to make that move on Saturday, if you wanted to switch over to someone on the Bulls and, you know, it was a different stat set you were looking for, you could do it, but you don't have to. If we loaded up on Jazz the way we talked about on Friday last week so that you'd have guys with four games to start this week, you should be able to hold on to a lot of moves. And here's the other beauty part of this. If you're streaming let's say, two or three spots, and a couple of those guys are Jazz, and, you know, maybe the other one, you just picked up a team with four games. You just picked up someone on any team with four games. You don't have to stream that spot anymore. 
And I don't know that I would advise streaming that spot anymore. I think it's more valuable to your team. If you already got two streaming spots figured out, it's probably more valuable to your team to know that you're going to use probably two moves on that Sunday. You're going to want to save at least one other move for a potential injury for your team. And then the other thing you do is, I don't know, you could probably use a move on Thursday. Like, let's say you picked up a Hornet or a Nugget or some team that has four games this week where they're spread every other day. If you got to Thursday, the Nuggets had played two of their four games. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. You could pick up one of those teams that we were talking about, Brooklyn, Boston, Chicago. They all have three games the final four days this week also. So that leaves you opportunity. The reason we don't have to spend a ton of time on the streaming calendar on today's podcast is because we set ourselves up for it last week, and you should not be using moves on a Monday if you don't have to. The only reason you'd use a move today is if we got breaking news between the time this podcast comes out and the time the games begin tonight that one of your guys is out for the week, you punt him into the, st- into the sky. That's the only reason you're using a move today. The only one. And you're like, but Dan, but Dan. No. Save the moves. We're going to do other stuff. Okay. We did it in like 50-some-odd minutes. That's not bad, actually. That was kind of my target time. We will have our weekly lineup show with my buddy Brandon Marcus. That's coming in the afternoon today for premium subscribers. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, We'll get into, I'll read some of the latest uh, reviews of the show on tomorrow's podcast. There are a few new ones that popped up late last week and over the weekend, but I figure you guys can just get back to your business. It's a busy Monday for all of us. And thank you again for listening, everybody. I mean, if you want to do it really fast, I have no problem with that. Keep uh, keep those reviews coming. Grab your coworker's phone and do it on theirs. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter if you want to hit me up and join the fray. We are, by the way, still looking for a new host of our Pelicans podcast as well. You want to talk about Zion a couple times a week? That seems pretty good, right? Hit me up. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com or Twitter at Dan Bespris. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. We'll back at you tomorrow morning. More streaming stuff. Not as much. And uh, we'll break down the three games going on tonight as well. Toodaloo! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.